Grace and peace, brothers and sisters. I'm Vicar Derek Kabilis, and this is your Worship at Home service for the 5th of July in this, the year of our Lord, 2020. I hope you've all had a safe and relaxing holiday weekend. Just as a reminder, we will have a drive-in service next Sunday on July the 12th, and then another one on July 26th. So we're going to get kind of a two-for-one deal on that this month, and perhaps maybe even more going forward. So we hope to see you all there. <clears throat> you know, this week included a uh, kind of a hefty disappointment for me. I had worked hard putting together a plan for us to be able to gather for a worship service out in the churchyard next week, where we could meet perhaps outside of our cars and stay socially distanced, but still be able to see one another's faces, you know, and, and, and have some semblance of an actual gathering. But by the time the church council met this past week to finalize everything, the COVID cases in Ohio started rising again. And in a pretty unanimous decision, we said that we just couldn't take the chance. The time just isn't right. Needless to say, I miss you guys. I really do, and I'm sure that you must miss one another. So here's what I want you to do. During the prelude, Take a moment and ask God to bring to your mind just one other individual in the church. Just one person who you haven't been talking to or meeting with or anything like that since COVID started. Just a person that you usually look forward to seeing on Sunday mornings. And I want you, when you get up from listening to this, to go ahead and make contact with that person. I don't care if it's a phone call or you schedule a socially distanced porch visit or even just an email, whatever it is. It can be today or later on this week. Just reach out and find some of that Christian fellowship we've all been missing. I'm sure whoever it is will be grateful to hear from you and that you'll be edified by the conversation. <clears throat> you know, when we came here, both Maggie and I were just bowled over by how much this congregation loved one another, by, by how much fun you had together, by how much you invested yourselves in one another's lives. And I know you're still connected. The thing is, I don't want that to be damaged, even by 1% by what we're going through right now. Because that connection, that, that fellowship, that communion we have, well, it's the greatest gift that God has given to this church. And it's the greatest gift that we have to give the world. So take some time this week and reach out. Amen. 
Here's an absolutely lovely prelude by our pianist Paige Morris and on French horn Lydia Kerr. <laughs>
May the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Holy and transcendent God, too often we imagine you to be just a little bigger than we are, rather than the glorious, almighty, all-loving, and all-forgiving God that you are. Help us this day and all days to remember that we are created in your image and that to fulfill our birthright, we must, must struggle against the common malaise of our time and be sanctified by your grace. Help us to reflect your love and forgiveness in every thought, in every word, and in every deed. Never let us stray from our inheritance as sons and daughters of the divine. Amen. Now our first hymn is uh, number 98 in the hymnal, To God Be the Glory. Our gospel passage this morning 
comes from St. Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30, which I shall read for you now. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, but you would not dance. We wailed, but you would not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I wish to preach to you today from the title, The Kingdom of Make-Believe. The Kingdom of Make-Believe. Please pray with me. And now, most holy and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O God, you are our rock. And our Redeemer. Amen. It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, but you would not dance. We wailed, but you would not mourn. So I have a question. What did you like to play? When you were a kid. <clears throat> now I'm not talking about tiddlywinks or hopscotch or anything like that. And, and, and I don't even mean Monopoly or Risk. I'm not looking for a game here. <clears throat> and for those from the younger generations, I don't really care if you were a Pong Atari kid or a, a Nintendo Super Mario kid or... Uh, God help you, Sega Genesis Sonic kid, though I'll pray for you if that's the case. No, I mean, what did you play? What did you imagine? When you looked out at your backyard or went into the woods or somehow stumbled upon an empty refrigerator box, what did you see there? How did your imagination 
fill the scene? What did you make believe? <clears throat> when I was a kid, my parents had this tree in their backyard, and it was like the perfect tree. Uh, Plato's form of the tree. It, it was tall and wide, thick branches that grew out horizontally that you could climb all over. It looked like the, the tree of life or something. And then behind that tree, there were thick, overgrown woods. So when I looked out into my backyard, I saw in that tree my castle. And the dark woods were a home to all the trolls and goblins and other inhuman things that were just waiting to come and lay waste to my kingdom. What did you see in your backyard? Was there a spaceship out there? Were you a cowboy or an Indian, a cop or a robber? Did you used to set up all your stuffed animals on the bed like you were teaching them a class? Did you have tea parties? Did you go out to the backyard and, and, and put down pieces of cardboard like they were bases so you could you could be a major leaguer? And win it all in the bottom of the ninth. How did you play? What kind of world did you bring to life in your imagination? Who did you become? And how did you save the day? Have you got it? Were you able to access those memories? Were you able to go back that far? Now let me ask you this. What happened? Where did all of that imagination go? When did you retire from being a superhero? When did your tea shop file for bankruptcy? Who finally conquered the kingdom? Of your imagination. Let's be honest. There, there are folks who, who do carry that imagination of their childhood on into their careers. We call those folks the creative types. You know, the artists, designers, novelists, movie producers of our world. But even they would admit that their imagination didn't just grow and grow as they got older. I think that they would tell you that, that they have to work hard every single day just to try to recapture a little bit of that creativity that came so easily to them while they were young. As a preacher, I know I have to do it. If you're going to be creative as an adult, then you have to be intentional about holding on to that creative impulse or else the ideas just stop coming. The pictures become less vivid. The candle burns out. The well runs dry. So what happens? Where does it go? How do we lose all that? 
I guess life happens, right? I mean, you grow up. You go to high school. All of a sudden, there are good-looking boys and girls that start renting a little space in that imagination of yours. Then you go to college, and that creative energy starts to get funneled into an education, and and then you move out into the world, and there are jobs, and bills, and deadlines, and sick kids, and whoops, now there's something wrong with the car, and, and Jane is late for soccer practice, and, and oh, by the way, there's a pandemic going on. And before you know it, without even realizing it, you just run out of room for make-believe. We have this notion, I think, that the demands of an adult life should require a kind of focus and attention that's supposed to crowd out the imagination of our youth. That living a life, having a career, building a family should eventually take the place of all that silly play, right? Then tell me. If that's the case, why is it that when we see a child at play, when we see them outside just letting their imagination run wild, jumping all over the place, rolling in the grass, uh, making up stories, making something out of nothing, the first thing we say is, wow, look at her, she's so full of life. She's so full of life. It's almost as if we're acknowledging that the child has access to something we no longer do. That we've lost something. That we are more empty now. That our lives are more empty than they used to be. If we are all living life the way it is supposed to be lived, then why is it that when we see the creativity and imagination of children in its full effect, we miss it? Could it be that when they're playing like that, when they are living out of their imagination, the, the life they experience is somehow more full, more fulfilling, more real than the lives we live every day. We played the flute for you, and you would not dance. We wailed, but you would not mourn. Biblical scholars seem to agree that what Jesus is describing here are the ways that children used to play in first century Palestine. Just like kids today, back then kids saw what their parents were doing and they tried to emulate it. They were play acting what they saw happening all around them. In the same way our kids play with pots and pans like they're cooking a meal or Wrenches and screwdrivers like they're fixing a car or 
even someone once told me about a certain young lady who uh, used to preach to her stuffed animals and say that she was playing vicar. In that same way, kids in the time of Jesus would play out these two scenes that they saw happening all the time. Festival and funeral. When kids would play festival, they would bang on pots and pans. They would wave palm fronds and pieces of fabric. They would make feasts out of mud pies and grass bundles. Just like they saw the big people do when someone got married or, or there was a religious celebration or anything like that. And then if they wanted to play funeral, they'd get a little box and maybe find a, a dead bird or something like that. And, and they would march slowly in procession and sing dirges and pray prayers and, and even fake cry for the, the poor little creature. So Jesus is saying, look, John the Baptist came to you like a dirge. He came to you neither eating nor drinking, and you said he had a demon. I came to you like a wedding, eating and drinking. And you called me a glutton and a drunkard. John the Baptist came to you angry and severe, wearing sackcloth, talking about repentance and the end of the world. That was the game he was playing. He came with dark prophecies and a gospel of self-denial, and, and you didn't want to follow him. I came to you with a gospel of forgiveness and healing that was my game i i set a feast with bread and wine announcing the year of the lord's favor and, and you didn't want to follow me either no matter what kind of game we offer to you you just don't want to play <clears throat> do you remember feeling that way as a child Maybe you were ready to pretend, to make believe, but all the adults were too busy and the big kids thought you were just being silly and, and you had this whole world, this whole kingdom just right up in your head and no one wanted to bring it to life with you. That's the kind of disappointment that, that I think Jesus is trying to get across here, that childlike dismay of having this whole thing worked out in your head, this whole world in your imagination, and finding no one who's willing to play with you, to bring it to life. As a kid, I was obsessed with capes. I had my mom make me maybe 10 different capes over the years as a kid. And, and my favorite, without a doubt, was my Batman cape. Come to think of it, that's probably the reason why I wear a black robe even today. I always wanted to be Batman. I'd run through the house and out in the yard with my 
black cape billowing behind me and and that was fun i i had a great time playing by myself but my siblings were a lot older than me and my parents were busy and no one around ever wanted to be robin or superman or even wonder woman so there was always this place of disappointment in my mind that I had this whole universe in my head and in my spirit, but no one to really share it with. Jesus had his own universe too, just aching to come out. And, and it was it ever a glorious universe? It was a galaxy of well-fed children. <laughs> a classroom of dignity and respect. A, a kingdom of compassion. A forest of forgiveness. A tea party where, where the rich would sit with the poor, would sit with the refugees, would sit with the black and the brown and the white, and everyone would drink from the same pot of our mutual reconciliation and dignity. And Jesus says, hey, play this with me. This can be our game, our pastime, our fun, making this world come to life. We can do it before our very eyes. That's why he, he, he thanks God for, quote, revealing these things to infants. Because if you're going to see the kingdom of God among you, if you're going to see what, what God is trying to bring into the world, what God is trying to create among us, you have to look with the eyes of a child. You have to look with, with fresh eyes, with um, uh, innocent eyes, with maybe even naive eyes to a certain respect. Eyes that haven't been clouded over by disappointment. Eyes that, that, that don't carry all the adult resentments that, that we have. Eyes that are undimmed by uh, the, the politics of the world and, and the frustration of workaday lifestyle. You have to have that vision. Because the eyes of a child behold what is there and imagine what could be. Like that old saying from George Bernard Shaw. There are those who look at things as they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. That's the kind of attitude I think Jesus is always trying to elicit from us. Always trying to, to pull from us this playful attitude, this creative attitude, this childlike attitude that isn't so resigned to what is, but is always asking what could be. What could we make out of today? What could we make out of ourselves? 
What could we make out of our community? What could we make out of tomorrow? Oh, brothers and sisters, we need this now more than ever, don't we? In a world convulsed by a virus, a, a country torn apart by racial inequality, an economy where the dollars sure aren't flowing like they used to, and, and where we can't even take refuge inside of our beloved sanctuary. We have to have the eyes of a child. We have to have the childlike eyes of Jesus to see not just what's there, but what could be there. To have the imagination to create, as they say, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Something new. Something better. Something, dare I say it, more fun than what we have now. I wish Christianity in general was more fun than... It seems to be for most folks. For some reason, recent generations haven't imagined God to be very fun at all, it seems to me. But I think that if you need proof of God's creativity and sense of humor, just go find a platypus sometime. Go up north and search out the Aurora Borealis and drive out to the ocean and stand with your feet in the surf and feel the sand move between your toes. Why, well, I, I know we've got some serious problems right now, some life and death kind of serious problems. Uh, the virus, the racism, the unemployment, there's a lot on the line out there. I get that. But when we take ourselves and our lives and our causes and our convictions too seriously, we can forget that the world doesn't have to be like this. We can forget that our life, this wonderful, grace-filled life that God gave us, is actually Play-Doh. And we can smush it and pull it apart and roll it up in a ball whenever we want and we can always make it into something else. But in order to see that, in order to understand it, in order to believe that it's really, really real, you have to have the eyes of a child. These words I offer to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have um, some prayers as a community we need to be lifting up today. Uh, I bid you to, to pause this podcast. Take some time for yourself to pray. Um, however it makes sense for you to do that, however 
you want to in whatever form or style you wish. Uh, please remember our um, brother and sister Nick and Richie, or Rich and Nikki, excuse me. Um, they're going through a tough time right now. And remember Terry, who's had a cancer diagnosis, and Melanie, who lost her father. Remember Alice, who's having an eye surgery next week. And um, remember Brian, who's working with the State Department in Afghanistan. Take some time. Go to the Lord in prayer. When we come back, we'll sing together, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, hymn number 400. Okay, a special thanks to Stephen and Paige and Lydia for helping us out with our music today. It was much appreciated, um, as always. Remember, if you would like to schedule a visit with me, please send me an email so we can make an appointment. And uh, we'll try our best to make that happen, okay? And now may the love of God, the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you and be with you, now and always. Amen. Mm -hmm.